Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joseph, and I am your host for the day. I'm here in Studio G with my boy Gaz on the ones and twos, and this is the Players Club, your new go-to podcast for all things NBA. We'll go through scores, highlights, and keep you updated throughout this new NBA season. Being our first podcast today, we wanted to do a season preview where we'll go through and discuss all 30 teams and their off-seasons, make predictions on the awards and the postseason, while also introducing you to some fun segments that we'll have for you on this podcast. But before we start, I firstly want to introduce myself. My name is Josef Fisha Gebremesko. My friends call me Joseph, Joey, Humphrey, and even Steve. But your girl, she calls me sweetness. Ah. <laughs> anyway, I'm 30 years old and I am a diehard NBA fan. My first encounter with basketball came in 1998. I got to watch Michael Jordan play his last game against the Utah Jazz in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. And from that moment, I was hooked. All I wanted was basketball, basketball, basketball. I wanted all the Jordan gear. I wanted all the Chicago Bulls gear. But at that time, access was really limited and you couldn't really see much NBA at all. Fast forward, 2002, I'm in year nine, and my parents just got the internet, so now I can go on NBA.com, read box scores, read articles, download dunks, download clips, share them with my friends. But the funny thing was, back in 2002, we didn't really have CDs, there was definitely no USBs, so I was hustling all these highlights on floppy disks. For all you youngins at home who don't know what a floppy disk is, chuck it on the Google or talk to your parents. 17 years later, we're in 2019, and the world has completely changed. I went from a boy celebrating hearing Kevin Garnett's voice for the first time to being able to watch every highlight from any era at any time, anywhere. With all this access does come a lot of misinformation. There are too many people with uneducated opinions spreading their lies to the masses without any care or concern. But, my friends, never fear. Your boy Sweetness is here, here to save the day. I will be your protection from all the nonsense around the world, and on the way, we'll have some laughs too. So I hope you can enjoy this podcast, and I hope you can make it a part of your weekly podcast playlist. So, without further ado, let's keep this flavor flowing. The 2019-2020 NBA season. Man, oh man. So like I said, I've been watching the NBA since I was 13 years old. And I'm telling you, I have never, ever seen it like this. There's never been this many good teams. And there's never been this many good players. As a point of reference, I have produced a meticulous list from the 2002-2003 NBA season of the top players that were around back then to compare them with the top NBA players that we have today. The players that stood out to me in that list, we have Sean Marion at 10, Ben Wallace at 13, Stephon Marbury at 15, and Steve Francis at 16. All really good players in their day. They did really well in their time, but in a historical sense, not really that impressive. But when you compare it with today, you have to think, these players can't even make the top 30. Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, Victor Oladipo, Kristaps Porzingis. It's not, even, it's not even a comparison. 
Today's NBA is so stacked, it's ridiculous. However, what I feel is the most important part about this new NBA season is that we have no clue who will be in the NBA Finals for the first time since the 2010-2011 season. This entire decade has been dominated by LeBron, the Golden State Warriors, and the San Antonio Spurs. But enough of this chit-chat. Let's get to business. We're going to go through all 30 NBA teams in alphabetical order, and there will be timestamps in the description below so that you can skip through to the teams you want to listen to. First up, we have the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta finished with a 29-53 record and did not make the playoffs last year. Their key additions this offseason, they signed Jabari Parker, traded for Evan Turner, and also drafted Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Atlanta's aiming for the playoffs this year, but in my opinion, I think they're going to fall short. They are a team full of potential, but they also are lacking at a few spots. Their cornerstones are John Collins and Trey Young. Trey Young got a lot of buzz this offseason about being a future Steph Curry type, but in my opinion, I think he's more DJ Augustine. A player to watch out for is DeAndre Hunter. He was the most valuable player in the NCAA tournament and won the championship with Virginia. He was the best player and he was also the best defender. So for a team like Atlanta, who's going to be suffering on that end, especially with a point guard like Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter is going to come in handy. But also, his progress on the offensive end will be something to watch out for. Next up, we have the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics finished last season with a 49-33 and record for the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, eventually losing in the second round to the Milwaukee Bucks 4-1. Their key offseason move was a sign-and-trade for Kemba Walker, sending back Terry Rozier, and they also traded Aaron Baines to the Suns and signed Ennis Cantor. With the 14th pick, they drafted Romeo Langford, who was also the last pick of the Markel Fultz trade, and also got Grant Williams and Carson Edwards. The big question facing the Celtics this season is how good they look swapping in Kemba for Kyrie. It's the first time Kemba's been on a team this good. It'd be nice to see what he looks like being surrounded by competent players at almost every position. But we need to ask, will he have the same impact as Kyrie or will he have the same impact as Isaiah? Also, what to watch out for are the roles of Gordon Haywood and Jason Tatum. Haywood, another year removed from his leg break. This offseason, Tatum admitted last season he was focusing too much on the Mamba mentality, which took him away from the great play he showed as a rookie. You have to think there'll be a larger role for him this season. And I think Celtics go as far as Gordon Haywood takes them. Boston's also missing Al Horford this season, and I think this is one of the more underrated losses. Replacing him with Ennis Kanter will be good on the offensive end, but Ennis Kanter really struggles on the defensive end. The only other players that could really play center on the team are Robert Williams, who is too young, and Daniel Theis, who's really average. Look out for their draft pick, Grant Williams, who's a bit of a light-skinned Draymond. I think he'll be the one finishing at the five for the Celtics this year. Even with the changes, I do expect a good season from the Celtics. They'll be competing in the East, with their main goal being of getting back to the finals. But in my opinion, I think they'll fall short. Next up, we have the Brooklyn Nets. They finished 42-40 and were the sixth seed, but ended up losing in the first round to the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Brooklyn probably had the craziest offseason out of every NBA team. They managed to acquire Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. A fun fact about the Kevin Durant signing, they actually got a first round pick when they signed him because they traded the Warriors' D'Angelo Russell. KD flat out refused to be traded for D'Angelo Russell, so Golden State had to trade them a draft pick. They also signed DeAndre Jordan and they drafted Nick Claxton. The big thing for the Nets this season is the KD countdown. Are we going to see him this year or is it going to be a lost season? I've listened to a few people say there's no chance KD comes back, but then I've also heard others say that the medical team are actually trying to get him out there and with the improvements in 2019, I think there's a chance we'll see KD before the playoffs. And if that happens, I think Brooklyn is really going to make some noise this season. But if he doesn't come back this season, how good can they really be? Swapping Kyrie Irving in for D'Angelo Russell, for me, doesn't really feel like that much of an upgrade. Kyrie is a New Jersey native, so he might be in a position to be a better leader this year, but it's really up to him. And I think with the coaching that they have, I think it's going to be a good season for the Nets as well. This one will be quick, the Charlotte Hornets. They finished 39-43 and 43 last season and didn't make the playoffs. They drafted P.J. Washington, but then they also lost Kemba Walker to the Celtics. But in a sign-and-trade, they brought back Terry Rozier. They're going to be relying on Terry Rozier to bring success to the team. But because of that, I think they're going to have a really poor season. I think they're going to be battling for the worst record in the NBA. If you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, I think you need to look up James Wiseman. James Wiseman is a freshman, University of Memphis. I think that's going to be the reward every Charlotte Hornet fan wants for having another poor season. Next up, we have the Chicago Bulls. They finished with a 22-60 record last year and didn't make the playoffs. Their key addition is Kobe White in the draft. They also traded for Thomas Sanaraski and their free agent signing was Thaddeus Young. They have a nice core with a nice starting five with some decent vets, so they are expecting the playoffs in Chicago. If they are to make the playoffs this year, you have to expect some progress from Zach Levine. Hopefully he can play some defense this year. Also, we need to look out for Lowry Marketing. He's looking like a young Dirk, but it's still early days. A personal favorite of mine, Wendell Carter. I'm really hoping he can stay healthy this year and maybe he can get some threes. Also, look out for the slickest afro in all the NBA, Kobe White. He's quick. He's athletic, and he might be the point guard Chicago's been looking for. We're going to keep the flavor flowing. Cleveland Cavaliers finished last season 19-63, and 63, tied for the second worst record in the NBA. Their big offseason move was moving up in the draft for Darius Garland at number 5, and they also drafted Kevin Porter Jr. Shout out to the 206. Year 2 post LeBron, Cleveland's trying to do the Portland thing, drafting two-point guards in consecutive drafts. With Darius Garland having the potential to be an elite shooter, I think Colin Sexton is the odd man out. He struggles on defense and is an inconsistent shooter. I think sooner or later, it's not going to work. Once Cleveland realizes it's not working, I think Colin Sexton will be the next point guard on the trade block. But I also think he'll be joined by Kevin Love, seeing as Cleveland are looking to have the worst record this season and aiming for a high draft pick. Kevin Love was going to be a useful trade piece for some of these teams battling for the playoffs. 
but I want to make a quick shout out to my boy Tristan Thompson. He went through a lot last season, but now he's a champion on and off the court. He's been through the fire, he's been through the rain, and now he's shining. He's back with his girl, he's back with his family, and he's still got a Kardashian baby on the side as well. I think as a mentor, I think he'll be the best thing for this young team. Also be able to let them know how to survive off the court. Up next, we have the Dallas Mavericks. They finished with a 33-49 record, and they were second last in the Western Conference. They signed free agents Delon Wright, Seth Curry, and Boban. They also re-signed Dwight Powell, and a special shout-out to JJ Barea, still in the league, still cutting them checks. Five foot nothing, all heart. But the big addition this season is going to be Kristaps Porzingis. They traded for him last season, but because of the ACL injury, he's only coming back now. We got a little glimpse of him in the preseason, and man, he is good. He is really, really good. I forgot how tall he was. I forgot how well he could shoot, and I forgot he can block everything. But what's crazy is Luca's really, really good too. I think what's funny, this is the official white boy team of the NBA. What to look out for if you are a Dallas Mavericks fan, black or white, green or purple, yellow or brown, can Delon Wright be a starter? He's been a backup in Toronto and he was a backup in Memphis, but played well towards the end of the year. With Dallas having playoff hopes this year and expecting good seasons from both Pazingas and Luka, I think they would need one more player to really make a difference in the Western Conference. Now we get to Denver. The Nuggets finished 54 and 28, got the second seed in the Western Conference, losing to Portland in seven games in the second round. They drafted Ball Ball and traded for Jeremy Grant. Denver has the best young core in the NBA, and with their best player being their center, Nikola Jokic, I think they're going to go a long way this season. They're going to be battling it out for the top of the West, and also they're aiming for the finals. The big difference maker in the Nuggets making the finals or not will be Jamal Murray. If he can progress the way that people are expecting, I think the sky's the limit for Denver. They'll also be looking for contributions for Michael Porter Jr. He missed his entire rookie season because he had a back injury while he was in college, but he was once the number one prospect in the nation, so his potential is through the roof. Imagine a 6'10 T-Mac. Imagine a light-skinned Kevin Durant. Add that to Nikola Jokic and the rest of the young players on the Denver Nuggets, I think this is going to be a really, really special season for Denver. Next up, we have the Pistons. Detroit finished with a 500 record and got the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. They ended up losing to Milwaukee in the first round in a sweep. Siku Dembuya was their only draft pick and they also signed Derrick Rose and Markeith Morris. The biggest question for the Detroit Pistons this season is how healthy Blake Griffin can be. Blake Griffin played unbelievable last year after he got traded by the Clippers, adding an efficient three-point shot and also taking over point forward duties. The Pistons did bring in D. Rose to help out at point guard. With Reggie Jackson always injured, I think D. Rose is going to be a bigger contributor than what he was for the Timberwolves last season. Can D. Rose bring some of his form back from his Bulls days? As one of his biggest fans, I really hope he does. Him crying when he scored 50 points last year brought a tear to my eye too. It's so good to see him come back from all those injuries and I really hope he can succeed this year. With Blake Griffin's health, if D-Rose can be a good contributor, I think the Pistons will make the playoffs. One last thing about the Pistons, I want you guys to pay attention to Andre Drummond. 
He really wants to shoot threes and my God, he is not good at them. He hits the top of the backboard more than he hits the net. It's even funnier when he's shooting from the corner. But with Andre being a free agent this offseason, I think Detroit will let him keep taking threes. Make sure you keep an eye out on Shaq and a fool because I guarantee he's going to be on there a few times. Now we get to the Golden State Warriors. They finished 57-25 and and got the first seed in the Western Conference. They ended up making it to the finals, losing 4-2 to the Toronto Raptors. They had one of the biggest off-seasons in the NBA, losing Kevin Durant to the Brooklyn Nets, receiving D'Angelo Russell in return, also trading Iguodala to facilitate the Russell signing. They were able to re-sign Draymond and Clay, and have also brought in Willie Cauley-Stein and Alex Burks. Because of his ACL injury in the NBA Finals, it's more than likely Clay Thompson won't play this season. Added to the fact that the Warriors have lost KD and Iguodala, they're really going to struggle on defense this year. Their only good defender is Draymond, and because of this, they're going to need Steph Curry to have a unanimous MVP-type season. Without Steph Curry having a ridiculous sort of season, I think Golden State is really going to struggle this year. If Steph Curry isn't Stefanos Berbere, I don't think they're going to do well. They are going to have to rely on D'Angelo Russell's impact, but moving from the Eastern Conference to the West, I think he's going to struggle a little bit, especially on the defensive side. Like I mentioned in Brooklyn's preview, Golden State lost a first-round pick in their trade for D'Angelo Russell. They have a weird protection on the pick. Brooklyn gets the pick if it falls between 1 and 20. This means Golden State are really trying to be successful this year. Because of that, I think Steph Curry will be playing in every game at least 35 minutes a game. That's the only way the Warriors would do well. Because of this workload, keep an eye out for his health. If he can't play a minimum of 70 games, don't expect to see the Warriors in the playoffs this year. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another team that had a big offseason were the Houston Rockets. They finished with a 53-29 record and got the fourth seed in the Western Conference, losing to the Golden State Warriors 4-2 in the second round. They re-signed Austin Rivers and Gerald Green and also signed Tyson Chandler and Ben McLemore. But their biggest offseason move was trading Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. The upgrade from Paul to Westbrook is huge. By the end of the season, Chris Paul looked old, out of shape, and wasn't contributing the way that there was expected. And with the contract almost making $40 million, James Harden had enough and told the front office to get him out. They brought back his friend. They're hoping that this OKC reunion will prove dividends. Westbrook brings his dynamic style of play to Houston in an offense that will surround him with shooters. I think it's going to put him in a position to succeed like he's never done before. I think Houston will do well this year, but ultimate success will rely on their supporting players. If Eric Gordon, Gerald Green, Austin Rivers, Clint Capella, if any of them can have a good season, even two out of four, I think Houston will be battling for the Western Conference Finals and pushing to make it to the NBA Finals. Now we get to the Indiana Pacers. They got the fifth seed last year in the Eastern Conference, finishing with a 48-34 and record, but were swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round. Their big offseason move was a sign-and-trade for Malcolm Brogdon. They also traded for TJ Warren and signed Jeremy Lamb and TJ McConnell. 
The Pacers season is going to rely on the health of Victor Oladipo. He's still not 100%. What I'm hearing, it's still going to be another two months before he comes back. They played well without him, but they won't be challenging for the East if he's not on the team. If he does get on the court, Indiana's going to be a tough team to play. With him, Brogdon and Turner on the court, it will give Indiana three all-NBA defenders. Warren and Lamb may provide some scoring off the bench. And with Sabonis getting his contract extension, look for him to be the difference maker. If him and Turner work, and if Sabonis brings a three-point shot, I think Indiana will be a tough team to play in the East and also will be challenging for home court in the first round. Plasma. Ladies looking for athletes or rappers. Whatever you choose, whatever you do, make sure he a thug and intelligent too. Like a real thoroughbred is. Show me love, let me feel how the head is. Females who's the sexiest is always the nastiest. And I like a little sassiness, a lot of class. Mommy reaching your bag, past the fifth. I'm a leader at last. This a dawn you wit, my nons a spit. Now to the meat and potatoes of this off-season preview. The LA Clippers. They finished 48 and 34 last season, earning the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Having a hard fought battle with the Golden State Warriors, losing the first round 4 2. The Clippers had the craziest offseason in NBA history, signing Kawhi Leonard and trading for Paul George. What made it so crazy is that everyone was expecting Kawhi Leonard to sign for the Lakers. And then in the last minute, he signed for the Clippers. Within a few hours, all of a sudden, Paul George is there. But what did they trade for Paul George? Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven. Yes, seven first round picks. They also traded Danilo Gallinari and Shai Gilgis Alexander. When you think about that trade as just for Paul George, the Clippers definitely got played. But when you realize Kawhi Leonard doesn't sign for the Clippers unless Paul George comes, it's probably one of the greatest off-seasons in NBA history. Adding Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to Patrick Beverly, I think it gives the Clippers the best perimeter defense in the NBA today. They also managed to keep their depth, still have one of the best coaches in the NBA in Doc Rivers. What's going to make a difference to their success this year is how good Paul George is going to recover from his surgeries and also what the load management plan is going to be for Kawhi. I think if they struggle health-wise, they won't do too well in the season, but as long as they get healthy for the playoffs, I think they'll be fighting for the Western Conference and definitely one of the favourites to get to the finals, if not the favourite to win the championship. There's a lot of talk of Iggy coming from Memphis. If this happens, it's game over. A team with Patrick Beverly, Andre Iguodala, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, insert any center, is going to win the NBA championship. You heard it here first. They also have a lot of trade pieces. Don't expect the Clippers to be the same team they are today when they finish this season. And also look out for Kawhi trying to prove that he's the best player in the NBA. He's heard a lot of talk this offseason about LeBron still being the best. Kawhi being that quiet competitor. I think he's going to move in silence. He's focused on the finals. But I also think he's trying to prove himself now that he's in LA, now that he officially has the team that he wanted. Not to be outdone by the Clippers, the Lakers also had a crazy offseason. After a poor showing last year, finishing 37-45 and 45 and out of the playoffs, the Lakers made wholesale changes to their roster. 
Signed free agents Danny Green, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, and also DeMarcus Cousins. Unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL and you will not see him this year. But they also managed to re-sign KCP, Rajon Rondo, and also JaVale McGee. Oh, wow, I almost forgot. They traded for Anthony Davis as well. The crazy thing about Anthony Davis, the Lakers pretty much traded their entire team for him. They traded the three prospects, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram, and also gave four picks, also some pick swaps. People were saying it was too much at the time, but I don't think people understand how good Anthony Davis is. He wasn't on TV much because he was playing in New Orleans, but I'm, te- I'm telling you, like, I can't even get my words out right. This guy is going to be amazing for the Lakers. This guy is going to be amazing playing with LeBron. And what I want to do is give another shout out to my boy GM LeBron. Came to the Lakers one year. Next year, completely different roster, just like he did in Cleveland, just like he did in Miami. The best thing about this roster is they have the players that fit with each other and especially fit with their main stars, LeBron and AD. They have an amazing mix of big men and shooters, and also shooters that defend. This will allow the world to see just how good AD really is, and also give LeBron an opportunity to play with somebody that at this point in time is almost as good as him. Expect to see a Magic Johnson type season for LeBron. I think this is the first year he averages 10 assists, And I think he's going to push for a triple-double. The big key for the Lakers is how healthy they can be. Can LeBron continue on with his consistent health, switching up from last year? And also, can AD get over the niggling, the nagging injuries that seem to hamper his season every time he gets rolling? He's already hurt his thumb this preseason, but he's looking good to start the season in full health. The big X factor for the Lakers is can Kyle Kuzma be the third star on this team? Kyle's got the swagger. Kyle's got that LA appeal. But can Kyle bring that LA game? I think it's a huge vote of confidence that he wasn't included in the trade for AD. So hopefully he can take that same confidence to the court. I think the Lakers are going to do really well this season. Now we get to the Memphis Grizzlies. They finished 33 and 49 last season and didn't make the playoffs. Their big offseason move was trading Mike Connolly to the Utah Jazz and also drafting Ja Moran at number two. They also got Brandon Clark at number 21 and signed free agents Tyus Jones and Jonas Valanciunas. It's the end of the grit and grind era in Memphis and they've now started a youth movement. In my opinion, this is one of the better youth movements in the NBA as they've got athletes at almost every position, a super-duper point guard in Ja Morant who's got crazy athleticism and is a real floor general. They also have the new-age big man in Jaron Jackson Jr. who's a nice mix of KG and Chris Bosh with also a three-point shot that's going to be unstoppable. Look out for the rookie Brandon Clark as he is the perfect partner to be playing next to Jaron Jackson. He's super athletic as well, can rebound, doesn't really shoot well. But with him sitting next to Jaron Jackson, it's not going to be that much of a big deal. And because of that, in my opinion, Memphis is the new bandwagon team of the 2020s. If you're an NBA fan out there that doesn't have a team, I would really suggest jumping on the Memphis bandwagon now. 
They're going to be one of the teams that are going to be excelling in the 2020s. And I have a feeling they're going to have some championships in the future. But because of the youth, they're not going to do too well this season. They're not looking to get to the playoffs. So at the very least, they're going to work on their youth and hopefully progress some of their young players and hope for the future. Next up, mummy, mummy, puppy, puppy. We have the Miami Heat. Shout out to my boy Dub. Shout out to my boy DJ Fab. They finished 39 and 43 last year. Unfortunately, they didn't make the playoffs. Their big moves this offseason, they traded away Josh Richardson and Hassan Whiteside, but they also got Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard. They also drafted Tyler Hero and also KZ Okpala. The questions for the Heat this season is can Jimmy lead his third team in three years? Jimmy's personality usually takes over a team, but a team like Miami with a strong culture, I think Jimmy can gel quite well. A lot of the players are going to follow his lead, and you can see it already happening with Tyler Hero. Hero had a crazy preseason and had a crazy summer league, so look for him to make a big impact and possibly battle for Rookie of the Year. Also, what to look out for is the switch from Whiteside to Bam. Bam has a lot more potential than what Whiteside was giving, and he adds a dynamic presence both on the offensive end and the defensive end look out for bam to be a candidate for most improved also we're going to see if justice winslow will get more time at point guard but i think miami's going to live and die by the health of goran dragic now we get to the bucks milwaukee finished with the first seed in the eastern conference finishing with a record of 60 and 22 but losing in the eastern conference finals 4-2 to toronto they lost Malcolm Brogdon, but they were able to re-sign Brooke Lopez, George Hill, and Chris Middleton, and also brought in Robin Lopez, Wes Matthews, and Giannis's brother, Theanis. The biggest question with Milwaukee, and the thought that's on everyone's mind, is how good can Giannis be? He's only 24 years old, he's already the MVP, and he already has a major flaw in his game that he can still work on. He hit 43s last year, but look for him to make more this year. Once that three gets unlocked in his game, really the NBA has no chance. With a player of his stature, with the skills that he has and the abilities that he brings to the court, I think there's an honest chance that in a few years we'll be talking about Giannis in the same way that we talk about LeBron and Michael Jordan. There's never been a player like Giannis and being in this position at his age is really astounding. As he hasn't been playing basketball the same amount of time some others are in his same position, you got to understand there's still going to be room for progress. And if that progress does come, it's game over for the entire NBA. But the problem is, can Milwaukee bring enough to the table to keep him there? He's in his second last year of his contract. Expect to see the same rumors and conversations we were having last season when it comes to Anthony Davis. Giannis is a big name in the NBA and everyone wants him. So any slip-ups with Milwaukee is going to be big news. Milwaukee needs to upgrade at point guard. In my opinion, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill just isn't enough. The Greek freak brother tug of war has started with the Lakers signing Costas and the Milwaukee Bucks signing Theanis as a way to obviously entice Giannis to stay or to leave. Milwaukee's looking for finals and only finals and I think if they don't make it this year, look out for the Giannis rumors to start popping up. Now we get to the Timberwolves. Minnesota had a poor season last year, finishing 36 and 46 and not making the playoffs. Their big move was trading Dario Saric to the Suns to move up from 10 to 6 and draft Jarrett Culver. They also brought in Noah Vonley, Jordan Bell, and an undrafted free agent named Nazareed. 
Minnesota is a solid team with decent players at almost every position, but they still haven't found any success. You gotta wonder, how long is it gonna be until Carl Anthony Towns asks to leave? He wants to succeed and he wants to have some playoff success. I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon in Minnesota. One of the reasons why is Andrew Wiggins. He doesn't seem to ever wake up. He always seems to be the same player with no progress on either the offensive or the defensive side of the ball. He has claimed that a lot of the lack of progress is due to Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff that were there previously. We'll have to see how he progresses this season. Their draft pick Jarrett Culver is being brought in to be their point guard of the future, but look for them to possibly make a trade for a point guard in this coming season if they struggle to get into playoff contention. They might be in for a CP3 trade or a D'Angelo Russell trade if the Warriors decide to change their course of action this season. Living this life on the hustle, I barely get enough time. You know me from the platinum, how I stack them and shine. You see a lot of contenders, they try to end up in my world. A reputation known as the untouchable girl. I'm moving on and now I'm trying to make a change in my ways. Be the best that I can be to last me all of my days. Now we can place pathways or just take our time. Better holler if you hear me, cause left eye gon' shine. My eyes don't lie, see how they kissin' when you pass me by. You and I don't need permission to be unified. Surely I have seen and heard of many places. Then I traveled around the world, see many faces. Don't let another one get near me. Now we get to the New Orleans Pelicans. The reason why I wanted to do this podcast because we are beginning a new era. It's called the Zion Williamson era. Unfortunately, it's on delay at the moment due to this current injury. We're going to have to wait a couple of months before we see him. But we got the opportunity to see him in preseason and he was absolutely amazing. He was their big offseason acquisition, drafting him number one. But then they also brought in Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who also had an amazing preseason. They also brought in JJ Redick as a free agent in one of the more underrated signings this offseason. And also, if you didn't pay attention, they traded AD for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and a gang of picks. The New Orleans Pelicans are going through what I think is a perfect rebuild after trading away Anthony Davis. They've got a great mix of youth and experience, which will allow them to be successful now while also building for future success. The impact J.J. Redick will have with this youthful roster will be amazing, but then also his shooting will allow to open up the space for all the other young stars to be able to do their magic. you got to look out for the baby Lakers and see how they progress outside of the bright lights of L.A. With Lonzo's new and improved shot, Brandon Ingram's opportunity to be the man, and also Josh Hart getting an opportunity to play more, I think all three have a chance to be really successful players in the NBA. But really, 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 the reason why I'm here is Zion, 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 Zion. Honestly, he's had the greatest preseason ever for a rookie. And like, at the end of the day, he's a man without a position, but who can guard him? You can't put a center on him, he's too fast. You can't put a wing on him, he's too strong. If you haven't watched him this preseason, watch the highlights of him against Utah. The way he manhandled Rudy Gobert, who just so happens to be the defensive player of the year, absolutely crazy. There's one player he jumps in and puts his shoulder to Gobert's chest, and Gobert goes flying, and he doesn't even look like an NBA player. 
The only thing that I feel like is going to hamper Zion, and obviously it's happening right now, is injuries. If he can keep his weight down or if he can make sure that he keeps himself in the best possible shape, the sky is the limit. I think he's a mix of LeBron, Shaq, and Magic Johnson. He's a do-everything type player like LeBron. He's an unstoppable beast with dominating attributes like Shaq. He also has the infectious leadership of Magic Johnson. All you have to do is listen to some of his interviews since he's been in the NBA and I'm telling you, you cannot help but fall in love. There's one thing I just need you to understand how crazy Zion is. He's the first rookie to sign a deal with Jordan and that for me says a lot. The fact that Michael Jordan has chosen him to be the face of Jordan more so than any of the other Jordan athletes says a lot. Jordan is quoted as saying that Zion told him he's going to shake up the world and he wanted him to trust him and Jordan has said he does. I think Jordan's going to be an unbelievable tutor for Zion, teach him the ways of how to be a killer on the court. And if that's the case, I think really you're going to have to add Zion to the GOAT discussions with Giannis as well. Next, we have the New York Knicks. They finished with a 17-65 and 65 record for the worst record in the NBA last season. Even still, they had high hopes for the offseason, looking to sign big players like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker. Unfortunately, they had to settle for Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington, Alfred Payton, and Marcus Morris. Some would have said that that was a failure of an offseason, but really, if they weren't able to sign the big fish, they did manage to sign some decent players. In the draft, they got RJ Barrett at number three, but even still, that was considered a failure because the fans were expecting it to be Zion, and the drop-off from Zion to RJ Barrett is huge. The Knicks fans are hoping RJ can prove why he was once the number one prospect in the nation and also it will be good to see how he performs in the big stage in New York. Another question to ask is how are they going to play all these power forwards? I feel like they've got about 10 power forwards on their squad and with the NBA going smaller, it's going to be difficult to see how they're going to manage all of them to be on the court. The Knicks do have some young players that they're hoping will have good contributions this season. Look out for Kevin Knox. Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robertson, and Frankie Smokes. I have a feeling New York has a chance to be the Clippers of the East. They have a nice group of veterans mixed in with some youngsters. They do have a chance to do well this season if they play up to their potential. But in all honesty, Knicks fans, I'm sorry, but you're going to have another tough season. I think they're going to battle it out with Charlotte and Cleveland for the worst record in the NBA. Up next, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. They finished with the sixth seed last season with a 49-33 and record, losing in the first round to the Portland Trailblazers. They had major off-season changes with Russell Westbrook going to Houston and Paul George going to the Clippers. They did bring back Chris Paul and also Shai Gilgis Alexander and Danilo Gallinari, but most importantly, like a million first-round picks. They re-signed Nerlens Noel and also drafted Darius Baisley. Fun fact about Darius Baisley, He was one of the top prospects in high school last year, but instead of going to college, he worked at New Balance as an intern. It'll be fun to see what a year of training does to his career progress. Even after the big trades, OKC still looks like quite the solid squad. With CP3, SKG, Steven Adams, Danilo. But the question is, will CP3 stay the whole season? With a lot of teams fighting for playoff contention, I can see a desperate team coming to OKC with a trade full of first-round picks to take away the most overpaid player in the NBA. The reason why OKC would be so keen to trade CP3 is because SKG is going to be a beast. It would be good to see Roberson come back from all of his injuries this year and see what sort of impact he can make. 
But also, look out for Steven Adams. He'll definitely be somebody that will be traded because there's a few teams that need a center. But if you're an OKC fan, shout out to YD. I don't really have anything good to tell you. I think they're going to be a frisky team that's in most games, but they're definitely going to lose more than they win. Now, finally, for my favorite part of this whole podcast, the Orlando Magic. I've been a Magic fan since before I can remember. My dad bought me a jersey when I was nine years old and I didn't even know about basketball at the time. And then I found old photos of me at birthdays wearing full Magic gear. So the love affair has been real for a long time. This season is going to be the first season in a few that I've been actually excited to be an Orlando Magic fan. We finished last year 42-40 and and we managed to take a game from the Toronto Raptors during the first round but eventually lost 4-1 to the champions. We did re-sign Terrence Ross and also Mr. Double-Double himself, Nikola Vucevic, plus signed Alfaro Camino. We drafted Chuma Akiki in the draft but unfortunately he's already got an ACL injury so he's out for the season. When I tell you I'm excited for this Orlando Magic season, you do not understand. We finished the season as one of the top teams in defense and we also started to gel. The real question that I have as an Orlando Magic fan is how good can our youth be? Aaron Gordon's trying to do a light-skinned Draymond with better athleticism. Jonathan Isaac's trying to do a defensive KD thing. Bumper's trying to figure out how to use his long arms to be one of the best centers in the NBA. And you got to look out for the story of Markel Fultz. I feel like Markel Fultz is going to shine this year. You need to remember he was once a number one pick and he was a number one pick for a reason. And I think in Orlando's system, he's going to get the opportunity to progress in the way Philadelphia imagined when they traded all those picks for him. I think Orlando has a chance to be the third best team in the Eastern Conference if everything works out for them. And that's not just me saying it as a fan. The Philadelphia 76ers, they finished 51-31 and and got the third seed in the Eastern Conference, losing in a thrilling seven-game series against the Toronto Raptors. They sent Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat and got Josh Richardson in return. They also re-signed Tobias Harris, but their big off-season move was signing Al Horford from the Celtics. They also drafted Matisse Thibel to be a defender in the second unit. Philly's going to have one of the biggest teams ever in the NBA with their starting five having no one shorter than 6'7". But the question is, now that Jimmy's left, who's going to be the one that scores in the final minute? Adding Horford to the lineup with Embiid is going to create a crazy defensive team. With this combo, Philly's always going to have an impressive big on the court at all times. Also signing Horford is going to allow them to rest Embiid when they need to, while also still having an effective center on the court. We at the Players Club still wonder if Ben Simmons will actually shoot this season. He did make one three in the preseason and everyone still can't stop talking about it. But we need to see it in the regular season before we believe it's for real. Look out for their rookies this season. As I said, Thibault is going to be a defensive menace off the bench. But also their draft pick from last year, Zaire Smith, who had one of the craziest rookie seasons without ever playing a game. And I really suggest you look up his story. He's 6'3 and played power forward in college. He's a bit of a Swiss army knife and will be able to make an impact in different facets of the game. I really think Philly's on their way to success this season. With the team that they have, I think they're going to be challenging for a final spot. Now we get to the Phoenix Suns. They finished with a 19-63 record last year for the worst in the West. They acquired Dario Saric for the T-Wolves and drafted Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome. 
They also traded TJ Warren to the Pacers and Josh Jackson to the Grizzlies and signed Ricky Rubio and also re-signed Kelly Oubre. Their big offseason move was bringing in Ricky Rubio with the hope of unlocking DeAndre Aiden's potential at center but also transforming Devin Booker into the superstar he expects himself to be. This season is going to be a big season for Booker because it gives him the chance to prove whether or not he's a good stats, bad team guy. Phoenix is going to need one of their wings to step up if they're going to have any success this year. They're going to need either Mikael Bridges, Kelly Oubre or Tyler Johnson to make a step in their progression to allow them to fight for a playoff spot. Another year without a playoff appearance may start drama in the Devon Booker camp. Two years ago he said he was expecting playoffs and nothing else and for two years they're still one of the worst in the league. So I think if they go another season without the playoffs, I'm sure you'll start hearing rumours from the Booker camp about possibly moving to another team. And I'm sorry, Phoenix, the West is too stacked. There's no chance you'll get in the playoffs. You're going to have to fight for another draft pick again. Now we get to Rip City, Portland Trailblazers. They finished 53 and 29 last year for the third seed in the Western Conference. They made it to the Western Conference Finals but were swept by Golden State. They re-signed CJ McCollum and also signed Damian Lillard to the Supermax. They traded for a signed Whiteside to cover at the center position and also signed Paul Gasol and Mario Hazonia. They drafted Nazir Little at number 25 as well. Portland's coming back from a very successful last season. But the question has to be, can they repeat that same success? After losing Harkless and Aminu, who are going to be the ones that defend the wings in the West? With the expectation that Anthony Simons is going to produce some results this year, Portland is now relying on three very small guards, which will cause them a lot of issues on the defensive end. So look out for Portland to do really well on offense, but really struggle on defense. So their biggest X factor is definitely Whiteside. Is he ready to contribute to winning or is he still more focused on his 2K stats? I think Portland has a chance of having a really good season and also a really poor one. Because the West is so stacked this year, Portland's going to have to rely on their guards to outscore other teams because their defense will be very poor. So don't expect the same sort of results as last season, Portland fans, but hope for the best and pray for the playoffs. Next up, we've got the Kings. Sacramento had a great season but fell short of the playoffs, finishing with a record of 39-43. and 43. They didn't have any draft picks and didn't trade for anyone, but re-signed Harrison Barnes and brought in Corey Joseph, Trevor Ariza and Dwayne Dedman. The big question for Sacramento this season is how good can De'Aaron Fox be? Fox made one of the biggest progressions from a first to a second year player last season. He's fast, he's agile, he's a great team leader and all of a sudden he has a shot. If he progresses the way he progressed, between his first and second here, you have to expect he's going to be fighting for all-star contention. You've got to also look out for Marvin Bagley. He had a bit of a hit-and-miss rookie season, but by the end, he was playing really well. And until he got injured, he was almost at a 2010 rate. Expect those same stats this year, but Kings fans watch out for his defense. They brought in Deadman to help out, 
But I think if they want to succeed, Bagley will have to play center and he definitely will have to work on all skills on the defensive end. They paid Buddy Hield, but it's looking like it's going to be Bogdanovich's last season in Sacramento. So look for him to be a trade piece, especially if Sacramento fall out of playoff contention. But their goal is to make the playoffs. They have the longest streak without being in the playoffs and everyone in Sacramento wants it. And really, I think it's going to be a failure of a season if they don't make it. If their young players can progress the way they expect, I think Sacramento might sneak in. Now we get to the Spurs. Spurs came 7th in the Western Conference with a record of 48-34 and and they lost in the first round to the Denver Nuggets in 7 games. They re-signed Rudy Gay and they traded Davis Bertans for Damari Carroll. They drafted Lucas Samanich and also Keldon Johnson and also brought in free agent Trey Lyles. Fun fact about Trey Lyles, Denver drafted Donovan Mitchell and traded him for Trey Lyles. Just imagine what Donovan Mitchell would look like on the Nuggets. The Spurs are still riding one of the longest playoff streaks in all of sports. But I think this is a year they might miss out. They have a lot of youth, but you need to ask, is Pop going to allow the youth to shine this year? Their biggest prospect is Deontay Murray. And the questions this season will be whether he can get back to his All-NBA defense form and whether or not the shot develops the way it's looking like it has in the preseason. I think the difference between the Spurs having a successful season or not will be whether LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan give the three-point shot more of a go this year. If either of them begin to shoot threes more consistently, I think San Antonio has a chance to really make noise in the Western Conference because they still have the best coach in the NBA. Now your NBA champion Toronto Raptors. They finished with a 58-24 record for the second seed in the Eastern Conference and eventually beating the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. For the first time in NBA history, a finals MVP has switched teams after winning an NBA championship. So Toronto's season is going to look completely different to last. They didn't have any draft picks, didn't make any trades, but they did bring in Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson. They also extended Kyle Lowry. The big question facing the Toronto Raptors is how big is the championship hangover going to be and how are they going to deal with life without Kawhi? Now that Pascal's been paid, they're expecting Pascal to be the new superstar of the team. He's not even been an all-star yet, so you don't even know if he's ready to become a superstar. But I think he's got the tools and the skills to be able to do something major in the NBA, but we have to see if he can do it without Kawhi. You have to ask, if they do have a bad season, how quick do they trade Lowry and Gasol? They both have huge contracts, and really there's no point of having them at the back end of their career if the team's not contending anymore. But one person you probably missed last season, especially in the postseason while Toronto was progressing, is OG Ananobi. He was a guy who was rated higher than even Pascal Siakam, and unfortunately he's been a bit marginalized because an injury forced him out of the playoffs last year. But he also has the same sort of tools as Pascal, and Toronto will be looking for him to be an X-factor for their progress this year, and they're hoping that they can still make the playoffs and bring Toronto a good season, even though they're happy regardless because they're the champions. Now we get to the Utah Jazz. Utah finished fifth in the West with a 50-32 record and lost in the first round to Houston. They didn't have any draft picks but traded Derek Favors to New Orleans, but their big move was bringing in Mike Conley for the Grizzlies for Jay Crowder and Grayson Allen. They also signed Boyan Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers. What Jazz fans are going to be watching out for is whether or not Conley can take them to the finals. Last year they were looking for somebody to take some of the responsibility off Donovan Mitchell 
and Conley's just the right guard to play next to him as he can shoot, defend, and be the floor general of the offense, allowing Mitchell to be the scorer that he is. Utah's also expecting some progress from Mitchell, and the baby-Wade comparisons are becoming realer and realer. Mitchell did get an opportunity to play for the USA in the World Championships this year, and even though they lost, I think it would have been a good experience for him, and I think he's going to bring that into this new season. What will separate a successful season for the Utah Jazz is if they can get enough scoring to help their solid defense. They still have Rudy Gobert, so you have to expect they're still going to be amazing on the defensive end. But what I'm going to be watching out for is who out of Dante Exum or Emmanuel Moudier will be the third guard. Both of them are high draft picks, both players that I expected a lot from, but both haven't made a real impact in the NBA just yet. If either of them can do something and live up to a bit of their potential, I think Utah's in for a special season. And last but not least, the Washington Wizards who finished last year with a 32-50 and 50 record and didn't make the playoffs. They drafted Rui Hachimura, the brother from Japan, and probably the best name in the entire draft, Admiral Schofield. They got some of the Lakers' leftovers in a trade and also signed Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. Their big move this offseason was getting Bill to sign a contract extension. The two-year extension proves that Bill was trusting the front office for at least one more year. Because Washington's team is still not capable of making the playoffs, even in the Eastern Conference, he's definitely waiting to see what sort of draft pick they get. A fun fact about the Washington Wizards, they signed an advisor this offseason that used to be the GM of the Cleveland Browns. If you look at the Cleveland Browns now, you'll see that they're stacked with young players. This is because Cleveland did a hinky and tanked for many seasons to get better draft picks. Also, like Philly trading away all their good players for future draft picks, and obviously, Washington wants to have the same reward for their tanking. I think they're doing this because they're going to have another year without John Wall. The poor guy injured his knee and then tore his Achilles in the same year. So he's going to be losing two years in a row. You can't really expect to know the type of John Wall they'll be coming back. There is some talk about Rui Hachimura being a 2020 Scottie Pippen clone. I personally don't see it, but he does look pretty good and quite solid in all facets of the game. But like the Cavs, Hornets and Knicks, I think Washington's going to be fighting for the worst record in the NBA. So if you're a Washington fan, I'm sorry, you got another long season. Now, to the predictions. The best thing about having your own podcast is all of my predictions are on wax. So when I get it right, Whenever anyone says you didn't say that, check the tape. So without further ado, the playoff seedings for the 2019-2020 season. I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference. As I said, I think Philly has got the best squad. So they're going to be first in the East. Followed by the Bucks, and then the Celtics. And then you know I had to do it. The Magic. Filling up the back end of the East, we're going to have the Pacers, the Heat, the Nets and the Raptors in that order. Sorry, Bulls and Pistons fans. I know you guys are hoping for the playoffs, but I don't think you're going to cut it this year. Because the bottom's going to be so poor with New York, Cleveland, Charlotte, Atlanta, I think the top of the East is going to have really good records. Look for a battle to take place between four and eight. I don't think there's going to be much distance between the Magic and the Raptors, but I think it's going to be those five teams to follow after the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Celtics, which are my three locks for the playoffs. Now to the Western Conference. I think this is the deepest West we've seen in a very long time. 
with only really Memphis not trying to make the playoffs. I think the Nuggets are going to come in first with their mix of youth and experience. I think they're also going to be consistent throughout the entire season. We're then going to have the Clippers. And the only reason the Clippers will come second is because of load management of both Kawhi and Paul George. Following them up will be the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the Lakers will come fourth only because it will take them some time to gel. But more importantly, they're going to aim to peak towards the end of the season, ready for the postseason. Following them will be the Rockets and the Trailblazers. I think the Rockets and the Trailblazers will definitely make the playoffs because they have too much superstar talent to miss out. But for 7 and 8 are when things get a little bit tricky. I'm going to go with the Mavs and the Spurs. The Mavs just have too much talent with both KP and Doncic. And the Spurs just have too much experience and great coaching. On the outside looking in, I've got to have the Warriors. I think they're going to really struggle this year. And managing Curry's load the entire season is going to be really key to whether they'll make it or not. And in my opinion, I don't think they have enough talent to do it. There'll be some young frisky teams in the Kings, Suns, Timberwolves and Pelicans. And also look out for the Thunder to make some noise. But I think this will be another rebuilding year for those teams. So now to the awards. Honestly, there's a lot of people that are going to be gunning for MVP this season. Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. But you have to give it up to Giannis. The team's built for him. The coaches created the system for him. And I think if there's progress in the three-point shot, I think we're going to see his scoring numbers make it into the 30s. And if he's going to average a stat line of 30, 13, and 6, with two blocks and a steal, with the Bucks more than likely doing excellent in the Eastern Conference, I don't think anyone has a chance of beating that resume. I think his closest competitor is going to be Anthony Davis, but with that, I think Anthony Davis is going to take Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's in a position where he's going to be on TV more times than he's been in his whole career, so everyone's going to be able to see how good he really is. But where people don't understand is on the defensive end. And because the Lakers are going to be relying on him a lot, expect to see a lot of big stat lines. The rookie of the year is easy. Well, it was easy until this last week. It was always and it is always going to be Zion. But unfortunately, now that he's going to be out for two months, I think it's at risk because of the fact when he does come back, he's probably going to be under a load management plan. So as much as it hurts me to say, I think the new favorite for rookie of the year is Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat. The boy's swag is outrageous. The boy's skill is gangster. Look out for him to get good scoring numbers. And also if Miami has a good season, I think he's the definite rookie of the year if Zion doesn't play enough games. But if Zion does play enough games, it won't even be close. Zion, stay healthy. Coach of the year, I think will be Brett Brown. Philly's gonna have the best record in the NBA. Philly's probably going to have one of the best defenses in the NBA. And I think it'll be too hard not to give it to Brett Brown with all the success Philly's going to have. Sixth man, I'm going to give it to Lou Will again. I think the way the Clippers are going to set up with Kawhi missing games, Paul George missing games, they're going to need a lot of scoring and Lou is just the right person to do it. And as long as he keeps it consistent with what he's been doing in the past and if the Clippers have the same success I expect, it's going to be Lou Will all day. But last but not least, most improved. And you know, I had to sneak some magic into it. My boy, Jonathan Isaac. If you don't know the name, remember it, write it down, take a picture. Jonathan Isaac looks like Kevin Durant and could play kind of like Kevin Durant. 
if he gets his shooting on point with his crazy defense and his ability to switch and his ability to do it all on the defensive end, look out for his stat line to be filled. I'm expecting an average of 18 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, 2 steals. Added to the fact that I expect the Magic to do really well, I think that's going to help the case for Jonathan Isaac to be the most improved player. But now what all the people have been waiting for, Eastern Conference and Western Conference finalists and also the eventual champions of the NBA this season. It's going to be the Bucks and the 76ers in the Eastern Conference finals with the 76ers taking it in six or seven games. I think Giannis is going to fight, but I think Philadelphia is going to have too much firepower. In the Western Conference, it's going to be an all-LA affair. Clippers versus Lakers, what the world has been dreaming about. I think it's going to go six or seven as well, but I'm going with the Lakers. I trust LeBron. I think it's AD's time, and it's going to be a Philly-LA final. And if LeBron's in the finals, I'm going to have to go with LeBron. <laughs> He's going to be the first player with three NBA titles, with three different teams, but also three separate finals MVPs. I think this is the last notch on his belt to really supplant himself in the GOAT conversation, as this will be one thing Michael Jordan could have never done. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone out there. We have finally reached the end of the podcast. Man, shout out to Gaz for holding it down with me this whole time. This has been one of the craziest experiences of my life. It's a lot harder than I expected to do a podcast, but I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope it was some good information and I hope it was good enough for you to subscribe and be a regular listener to the Players Club. We have an exciting season coming up and I hope the podcast can be just as exciting. Just to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of what we'll be doing for this podcast, we'll be having special guests in to talk about particular teams and particular aspects about basketball and life around basketball. I'm also going to have a segment where I go through games of the week and we can discuss games in detail. We're also going to do a section on the betting side of the NBA one of the most enjoyable parts about being an NBA fan is being able to make bets on games. I'm going to be submitting a weekly multi. I'm going to post it on our Instagram page for you all to judge. And I also hope that you can share your successes and failures with me as well. And just on that point, we've also got an Instagram page for the podcast. Please follow the.players.club for all your updates on the podcast and for some discussions that we'll have about what's currently happening in the NBA. But like I said, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. I hope you can rock with me this whole season. And I hope you can rock with me in the future going forward. Thank you again to Gary for being with me this whole time. Thank you again to all of you at home. This is the Players Club. My name is Joseph. Thank you for listening. Peace. She got a buddy named SB12, now you know the deal We gets freaky in the studio late night That's why the beats that you hear are coming real tight Something